a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Imperials to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. Two episodes in one week. Look at this, guys. Uh, I am Brian, joined as always by Liz and Matt. And uh, hello, hello. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the music of Star Wars, which is something that I think a lot of us perhaps uh, think about as strongly as the visuals at times. At least I, I, I'm speaking for myself here. I I love the music of Star Wars. And there are parts of Star Wars that I cannot disassociate from uh, from the music. You know, there are scenes and, and characters and all of that that I just I can't pull apart from the music. And so, uh, Liz, I'll start with you. What is sort of the uh, what is your relationship to the music of Star Wars? I was going to say something similar is just, I, you know, I can't really think of Star Wars without thinking about the music. Um, I, I think the music of Star Wars is just such an integral part of the series itself. I can't really separate one from the other. The action, the characters are so defined by the music of John Williams. Um, I, you know, I think even people maybe that aren't even familiar with necessarily the storyline of Star Wars might be able to pick out the music of Star Wars. Um, so maybe I'll start by saying that. Matt, what about you? What's your relationship to the Star Wars music? I think really before going into this episode, I took a lot of the music for granted. I didn't really think about it. It just was kind of a piece of the visuals, the way that it plays in and really is intertwined with it. But I realized as I was listening to the soundtracks going into this episode, just how much each song brought me back into each scene. And it's really, really hard to separate the two of them. Um, I found a hard time picking out like individual songs, but just feeling the entirety of the catalog and the interplay between the different songs, the different character themes and all those sorts of things, uh, just feeling Star Wars-y. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's more of a the entire catalog kind of meshes with the visuals um, in a way that's really hard to separate out. Yeah, I think that aside from a couple other films, and and most of those films are are John Williams scores, I think that Star Wars is one of the most evocative soundtracks out there. Like, if you were walking in the mall and they started playing Star Wars over the loudspeaker, you would instantly recognize it for what it is, and it would bring you back to those films. I feel like Indiana Jones, uh, Jurassic yeah. Park, you know, there are a couple of, specifically the uh, Jaws, you know, these these John Williams scores that are that are famous and that are, you know, just incredibly evocative of the film that you're watching. And I think that there are a couple of Star Wars songs, specifically the the opening title theme. Imperial March for sure. 
And then something that uh, I'm going to call the force theme, and that's that's sort of the fans have named it that. It's it's played on a French horn. I told you guys before recording, we talked about a French horn. Ooh, uh, true, it, true. You you would know it the second you heard it. it oh, that, see, Indy knows. Indy oh, knows. Indy, knows. Indy agrees. Yeah. Yes. Um, it is the song played while Luke gazes at the binary sunset, as the song is called, uh, in A New Hope. used when Rey hands Luke the lightsaber at the end of The Force Awakens. It's played as Luke disappears into the ether in The Last Jedi. It's played as Luke burns uh, Vader's husk in uh, Return of the Jedi. It is it is uh, it's an incredibly powerful piece. It's, it's maybe my favorite piece of music of all time, uh, which is a bold thing to say, but when I hear wow. it, it instantly makes me well up. Uh, I get a, okay. I, I get a, a, a knot in my throat, a lump in my a lump in my throat, knot in my chest, whatever. Like I just I, it instantly moves me. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of music, and I think that it's just I, I cannot think of Star Wars without that music. And I wonder if I wonder what what amount of that is due to the music versus what amount of that is due to the film. Like there are plenty of TV shows and movies that we've all watched that we could sing you the theme song of that maybe whatever the theme song was, we watched it enough that the music just got ingrained in our brains. Like, I don't think the Saved by the Bell theme song is particularly great, <laughs> but I know all the words to that because I watched two episodes a day for years after school. Um, you know, So I don't know if the music of Star Wars is like supernatural in a sense or just because I watched Star Wars so much, it uh, it's, it's ingrained in my brain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, I memorized the theme song to the Ninja Turtles, but that doesn't mean the same to me as the music of exactly. Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it is good to know at this point that Raphael is cool but rude, so you can manage your expectations yeah. when you meet him one day. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't met him, but at least we know that. But if if, if you him. do, you you know he's cool but rude, so just don't take it personally yeah. <laughs> if he's a little standoffish. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so I don't, you know, I, but I do think that John Williams' music just fits Star Wars. I agree. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It, it, it's almost impossible to separate the two of them. And I think you're talking about the only other movie that I can really think about that is maybe Blade Runner, how the okay, two yep. are so intertwined. Yes. Um, but I wouldn't say that Blade Runner is a recognizable soundtrack. Um, but it has that same idea where the spirit runs in the visuals and the music. So, sure. I mean, I think a lot of good, I think a lot of good composers can do that. I think the difference between Star Wars I and mean, like Blade Runner, there is a Blade Runner sequel, yes, but there is so many star, there are so many Star Wars films that just he that Williams was able to continue to hone what it is he does over the course of nine films. And so Agreed. it's just, 
it just it transcends a, a any one film soundtrack, I feel like. Yeah, and then I'm sure we're going to talk about this too, but the idea that the music runs very parallel in all those, very purposefully um, in those nine movies. They all have callbacks to one another. They all kind of have similar themes, similar sounds, even like the Star Wars Rebels music is meant to tie in with the John Williams soundtracks. Um, but I agree with the idea of just keeping with that same tone throughout. Um, so I won't reveal what my favorite song is from them, but yeah. Well, you won't reveal it yet. You'll reveal it at some point. You won't reveal it yet. No, not <laughs> You're not keeping it a secret from our listeners. secret to myself. <laughs> Stop secret information. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree with the idea that it keeps keeps getting better. I mean, it drops out definitely in one of the films but then picks right back up oh interesting we'll talk about that later <laughs> oh yeah and i feel like the star wars music sort of transcends even age i feel like there are other movies where music was important to me let's say maybe in high school like i loved baz Luhrmann's romeo and juliet ah. <laughs> like just the soundtrack and even now when i hear it i feel like i'm nostalgic for the songs and they make me feel how i did back when i was in high school but it, it's not the same emotion. But when I watch Star Wars and I hear the music from Star Wars, I still feel that same way. I felt that way when I was 16. I felt that way when I was in my 20s, when I was in my 30s. And I, I can't say that about music from any other real movies that I can think of. Yeah, there, there's a timelessness to it in a way that the Matrix soundtrack was great at the time, mm -hmm. but... It has obviously aged, um, but there, there's a timelessness to it. And part of that is from the classical nature of it, and part of it is just from how well put together and well crafted it is. Yeah, um, I, I definitely agree with that. So, so let's, let's do this. Let's take the original trilogy first and talk about okay. the music from the original trilogy. Um, the first film impossibly does not feature the Imperial March. Which is crazy. <laughs> right. But that was introduced in The Empire Strikes Back. Um, and I feel like that is the most known Star Wars piece of music. Would you guys agree with that? I, I agree. Yeah. I, they play at sporting events. It's everywhere. it in the marching band when I was in high school because <laughs> the football team had requested they thought when they were on defense that that was like an <laughs> ominous sounding song that they could we could play yeah, um, yeah. It's the quintessential evil music it's it's the bad guy whether yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's shorthand or... for villain mm -hmm. yeah exactly uh which is why it bothered me in the prequels when they would use it as foreshadowing for Anakin like there are mm. a few times when it's used as just like you hear like a tuba in the background doing that, you know, uh, <laughs> and I just always felt like, you know, it's 
I understand that it, that it's foreshadowing, but it seemed a little bit hokey to me uh, to do that. But um, so I, I there is there is so much iconic music in that first Star Wars film, uh, A New Hope. You know, from the and also I think that one of the other reasons that Star Wars music is so evocative is that every Star Wars movie begins the exact same way. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, rather, all of the nine. We'll leave Rogue One and Solo off to the side here for a second, but. All nine saga films begin the same way, and so you're sitting there and you're you're listening to that beautiful opening opening theme, and you're reading the scroll. And I feel like every one of us, I mean, I know I, I sat next to the two of you when this was happening for <laughs> Rise of Skywalker. Like that moment when you're first reading the scroll, the scroll is scroll. Jeez, I can't talk today. It is um is so exciting. And that music is just the perfect soundtrack to the excitement of reading what's hap- what's happening. That I can't I can't forget that feeling. Right from the beginning. The anticipation. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So so that is that is the first bit of Star Wars music. But I mean, less. I think it's less than a half hour or so into into A New Hope, we get that aforementioned Force theme when Luke is looking out at the two sunsets on Tatooine, and that is an iconic piece of music. Then we go to the cantina, and we get the iconic cantina band music. Very oh, true. Yeah. Uh, which so is jazzy. The originally named cantina band. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, it, it is it is certainly um, different than the rest of, of the music from that film. But but equally memorable, and then there's that great piece of music at the end as they are walking to get their uh, medals. Um, mm. It's another, another really great piece of music in, the, in that first that first film. So I would say that you know it's it, Star Wars set a pretty high bar with a new hope in terms of music. Um, is there one song from that film that resonates for either of you guys? For that one, for when I was listing some of my favorites, I had the medal ceremony at the end as sort of a runner-up in terms of one of my favorites. like it's just a great way to end the movie um to punctuate in that last scene um i i really enjoy that and i feel like it's one i kind of always forget about um i really enjoy that one mm-hmm. i think for really me con- oh, sorry no that's fine it's not really connected to a specific character either oh that's interesting yeah huh yeah uh, for me um there's a, like a really big aha moment listening to the soundtrack because honestly going into it, I was like, okay, I know all these songs. Some of them are kind of played out. I've heard the Imperial March 3000 times, <laughs> but as soon as the desert theme came on, um, it really begins, you know, with the droids in the desert and then eventually moves into the Jawa theme. Um, listening to that brought me immediately back and I could just picture everything happening on screen in a way that I was surprised at myself um, and then really starting to pay attention to a lot of the nuances of the music because uh, the desert theme and the Java theme I think it has work for small people is the next 
name of it. Um, but he uses these same kind of musical instruments and quick-paced music with the Ewoks and any kind of small creature. And it really started to make me realize how intricate a lot of this interplay was. Um, so that was kind of an aha moment for me listening to the soundtrack. Yeah, hmm. I, as I mentioned before, the Force theme is the best. Love it so much. Um, but I will, I will give a, a close runner-up to that the metal ceremony music. Uh, just it's so powerful and majestic and hopeful and yeah. you know that's really the only time in any of the Star Wars movies where there's a pure victory what i mean by that is when luke blows up the death star yes he's mourning the loss of ben yes leia is mourning the, the loss of alderon but there's no for the rebels there's no negative consequence of that Every yeah. other victory they have is somewhat tarnished by a loss of somebody. Like, you know, when Luke, when the Death Star is blown up the second time, Luke is mourning the loss of his father. Um, and there's, you know, there's just, there's this joy in that metal sequence that isn't really matched anywhere else in the films. And I think the music perfectly captures that. It yeah, seems like a, really a new beginning. Yeah. It seems like a new beginning. They all just found each other, new friends. Yes. Something different for all of them. Yes. A new hope, you might say. Indeed. <laughs> it also has Leia and, and R2 sort of flirting with each other, which I always think is funny. <laughs> but, you know, teach their own. Um, all right. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, as I mentioned before, introduces the, um, the Imperial March. It also has uh, it introduces a theme for Yoda, which is... Uh, it wasn't something I, I was particularly mindful of until I listened to it on Spotify. I was like, oh, this is obviously Yoda's theme, you know? And that happened a few (laughs) times to me listening to this this music. Like, oh, I never associated that with Yoda, but yep, that's his theme for sure. Same. Yeah, I found myself having a hard time picking out different characters' themes. Um, I I honestly missed Leia's theme, and it is used throughout the entire, you know, a lot of the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I missed Yoda's theme. Um, so yeah, that <laughs> trying to pay attention to that was interesting too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a- any notes on the music from empire? I will say uh, Leia's theme is my favorite theme. And I feel like it's one that's been noticeable to me throughout the years. I, I think mainly because it, stands apart from everyone else's in that it's not as intense it's much softer than everyone else's um and she's not necessarily a soft character but it seems like her music is Um, and it always kind of leads into um, there's a whole Han and the Princess song that's a little different as well. One of my first ships of all time, which I enjoy. So I feel like that's my favorite uh, song in all of Star Wars, Leia's theme. I like okay. that. Yeah, that's good. It, it's a great song. And I think when I was listening to it, that was maybe the, one of the 
songs I ended up liking the most as I was re-listening to things. Yeah, it's a great theme. Because, um, yeah, it's, it's subtle strength in the song, which is subtle strength in the character. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely think yeah. that it's... um. It, it's one of those themes that I think if if you asked me before I started really digging into this a couple of years ago, if you had asked me, you know, what does Leia's theme sound like? I don't know if I could have told you, but once you hear it, you're like, oh, of course. Of course that's Leia's theme. That's used everywhere throughout these films. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Same thing as the, the, the love song. There's yes um, the, the short kind of half piece of love song, which is used a couple different times. Um, and only finished out at the end of the film with the carbonite scene. Same sort of idea. Like, I couldn't tell you what it was, but I recognized it once I started looking for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really remarkable how much music from these films is just ingrained into our lizard brains because of uh, <laughs> watching these movies a thousand times. Uh, yeah. But it's totally there. Um, or from a different place, if... Um, Battle in the Snow, which is, as I was re-listening, my favorite song in Empire Strikes Back. Okay. I was like, wow, how is this song so remarkable? It's in Shadows of the Empire, the N64 game. Oh, okay. It's the theme song on like the first few levels because you play in the Hawk base. Okay. So that's ingrained from a very different reason into my head. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's where that comes from. Okay, yeah. Now it makes sense. But that's a, but that's really that's a really good indicator of uh, of how memorable the music is, even removed from its cinematic context, because you remembered it from something else. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right, now we're gonna get to Return of the Jedi. Matt, is this the one where you said the music dropped off? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I honestly I never understood a lot of the hatred towards Return of the Jedi, and it really started to come into focus looking at the soundtrack and started realizing some of the flaws there and then realizing how a lot of the rest of the movie unwinds. So, yeah, for me, this is a big dip. Are you talking about the music that is specifically, like, for instance, are you talking about the Max Rebo band stuff or the Ewok Celebration, or are you talking about well, the, the score on its own? Uh, well, yeah, the, well, one thing you could tell how it's not a great soundtrack is when they had to redo two of the songs. Well, um, I will argue the, the originals are better than the, re- than the redone ones, though. Oh, I don't, I don't know if I can go with you on that one. Oh, I mean. Drama. Well, Scandal. <laughs> no. But yeah, well, it doesn't, for me, it didn't add a lot new into the catalog. It was pulling on the same songs. Um, it felt either it was really rehashed or it was just very odd musical choices. Give me an example. Um, if you have the, one. whether you want to talk about Lopty Neck or Jedi Rocks. Okay, the, so <laughs> yeah, Jedi Rocks is the much inferior new version of, of okay. that of that scene. <laughs>
Um, you like the lofty neck, the uh, the disco version. Okay, so if you listen to it in the context of the film, it's a little bit weirder and a little bit less polished. The the version is it because it takes place because of during a snuff scene that is unnecessary. <laughs> It only, I, as I rewatch him as an adult, like we watch a woman be murdered and listen to her murder off screen only for the narrative device that there is a trap door in that throne room. <laughs> it is weird. I mean, you're you are not wrong. I'm not going to argue with you for that. Uh, but I will say that, like, I, I, I do think that the the in film version of it sounds less shiny disco y. And sounds a little bit grimier and weirder, which I feel like is more appropriate for the film. I agree. Uh, for I the agree. setting, rather. Because I was going to pick that as actually one of my favorites because of how it is. And I listened to the soundtrack, I'm like, oh, God, no. This is, uh, <laughs> the, this yeah, is not what I signed up for. The other two and a half minutes is just weird. Yeah. Um, and it's funny. And the, and the Jedi Rocks version of it makes it into something it doesn't need to be. Yes. I don't think there needed to be a musical interlude in the middle of the first arc that is already barely attached to the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's really strange. Um, that Jedi Rock sequence also, like, I feel like Lucas has always said that, that like Wu-Tang, Star Wars is for the children, but <laughs> I feel like he only really realized that when he was making the special editions. And so went so over the top with making it more kid friendly that he like lost sight of what was good or bad and just went full on kid. And that also explains a lot like of episode one because that's in a similar time frame. You know, it just yeah. he just went all in on the kid stuff because Jedi Rocks is basically a Sesame Street number in the middle of uh, <laughs> of, of says, the film. Says the man who's defending the Fraggle Rock theme. Are you talking about fucking Ewok Celebration? <laughs> yeah. Oh, step off, friend. <laughs> okay. Step I agree. Off, it's it's goofy for no reason. Yeah, which well, Jedi Rocks is absolutely goofy for no reason. Whereas I feel like there is a reason that Ewok Celebration is goofy. We'll get to that in a second. Um, okay. But I, but I think I agree with you. The the theme of the original song better fit. Jabba's it's supposed to be a scary place it's supposed to be really like the worst villain we've seen on screen um, and it makes it too cheery yes it does we're supposed we're not supposed to want to be in Jabba's palace correct yeah but and, it does seem kind of cool yeah <laughs> yeah it seems awesome <laughs> Um, yeah Jedi rocks does not rock uh, no hot take um okay so is is there before we get to the ewok celebration at the end is there anything else from uh return of the jedi we feel like we need to talk about music wise no yeah not from a lot of it just again it was just it it was fine it was well put together it fit the pace of different things but nothing stood out to me other than those couple glaring issues yeah, agreed. All right, Ewok Celebration. Here's my here's my pro Ewok Celebration argument, okay? Okay. Ewok Celebration is 
What, what, what I like about Elok Celebration, both from a visual and an auditory standpoint, is that you are seeing these people, these creatures, celebrate in a native way. And I think that the song legitimately sounds like it's... Like sometimes there are there are songs sung in gibberish lyrics that don't sound like it's an actual language. This okay. sounds like it's peop- This sounds like it's creatures actually singing a song that has a purpose to it. Okay. And I feel like when you're watching them celebrate, these creatures were brought into the battle. They're victorious. There's no inhibitions. It is just like a pure joy moment. And to me, that it's cheesy as hell, but that song sounds like pure joy. I agree. I agree. But the the sounding like part is, I, I guess for all of our listeners who've been waiting for us to say it, John Williams oftentimes is criticized for maybe making his music too much of an homage to other songs. Sure. Um, he, a lot of his songs do borrow from very classical pieces for very good reason, but that one is just the Fraggle Rock theme song. And I can't hear it without hearing that. And it just, for me, brings me away from the visuals. I do say I do prefer that ending much, much better than the celebration across the universe nonsense. Um, yes. In the special editions. If editions, the song was different, I would, obvi- I would, I would uh, like it better. I agree with you on all the points that you're making. I just the song drags me right out of the Star Wars realm Okay, listening to it. I'm doing some research live on the pod, and uh, Return of the Jedi opened on May 25th, 1983, my parents' eighth wedding anniversary. Whoa. And um, <laughs> And uh, Fraggle Rock aired its first episode on January 10th, 1983. So there was only a few months in between there. I don't know if realistically John Williams could have stolen the theme from Fraggle Rock. Hmm. Or Fraggle Rock stole it from John Williams? Yeah, no, I, I Or they just... No, they, they did. John they, Williams did not do the theme song to Fraggle Rock? Uh, I am double-checking that just to make sure. <laughs> I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine that it was uh, that he was slumming it on uh, children's television <laughs> at that point. Uh, it was written by... Uh, yeah, it, it is... <laughs> apparently, it, it, it did reach number th- 33 in the British music charts. Oh, um, wow. I think yeah. I did have a record of it now that I think back. I definitely had a record of it. Um, I mean, I, I will tell you that I play that introductory song for my students when we read the chapter Castle Rock and Lord of the Flies because it reminds me of Fraggle Rock. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, but no, I, I, your, your point's well taken. But yeah, at the end of Return of the Jedi in the special edition, that song is gone and you're seeing people across the galaxy celebrating the fall of the empire. I hate that. I hate that. It's dumb because like, imagine for a second, I know a lot of people who greatly dislike Donald Trump. If Donald Trump was assassinated, 
the country would not go would not be having parties in the streets. Yeah, I wouldn't immediately find fireworks to set off in Washington D.C. Right, <laughs> you know, no. and so like to see these this entire universe go go batshit crazy over over the emperor's death just seems like that's not what would happen. I think celebrating like on Endor makes sense. Agreed. Yes. But it wouldn't be this big celebration. Especially as we've seen in the Mandalorian, we know that it took a long time for this stuff to happen. Yeah, it it it, it is completely illogical. It makes no sense. But that went along with what George Lucas swore up and down forever. He said when the movies ended, his story ended. That, you know, Han and Leia have a little house with a picket fence and it's all done. Mm-hmm. For him, the story was complete. Which those endings show that. Right. Good guys win, story over. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. All right, well, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the music for the prequels, the sequels, and the television shows. So stay tuned. All right. Hello, podcast listeners. We're the hosts of the DC3Cast. I'm Zach. I'm Vince. And I'm Brian. Each week, we discuss most of the new releases from DC Comics, focusing mainly on Rebirth, Wildstorm, and Young Animal. We also look at the news of the week, discuss the film and television adaptations of DC material, and dig into industry rumors. We've also had a number of DC creators on our show, like Scott Snyder, Jim Lee, Christopher Priest, Steve Orlando, and Joshua Williamson. So, if you like Borat jokes, no bad Dandadio impressions, this is bad, what the f- and an in-depth look at DC each week, join us every Wednesday morning at multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. Come get Jurgens with us and we are back with our discussion of star wars music um so to me i i did not take as copious notes with the prequels because um well first of all liz said that she was watching them all day the other day on tnt so i figured liz would (laughs) liz would be bringing the fire for this Uh, oh boy but also the prequels to me have one piece of music that is almost as iconic as the original series i agree I are you, agree. Are we talking about something from episode one? Yes, we are. We're talking, We're talking about... about something that I didn't realize was from episode one when I first listened to it. Uh huh. Are you talking about the duel of the fates? Oh yeah. That is That's an... the only one I wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> that is an amazing piece of music. It is. It is. embodies the struggle of the phantom menace it really brings life and vibrancy in a way that we haven't seen before um i actually very much like the music in the prequel trilogy um because a lot of it is more raw more kind of bombastic and duel of fates really really embodies that yeah for those that don't know what we're talking about it is the song that plays during the Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, Darth Maul, triple lightsaber duel. Uh, one of the best lightsaber battles in all the Star Wars films. 
Um, and it's it has a choir as part of it and some great big timpani drums. And it, it's it's about the most epic thing you've ever heard. Fantastic. It, it is. It stands out. I, I did I did a little bit of research and um, I did find out that it's actually actually an ancient Celtic poem. Um, oh, that they're singing? That it, and it's, yeah, sung in Sanskrit, which was news to me. Oh, wow. And, it, yeah, it mentions uh, how, yeah, the translation is pretty loose, and Williams arranged it by ear, which is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was just, like, syllabic singing, not necessarily, you know, um, not necessarily words there. And he yeah. went to all that work, and you just thought it was simlish. Look at you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh but yeah it's 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 an absolutely astounding piece of music uh i will say go ahead matt sorry it's 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 so for me it felt so iconic i didn't realize that it was only introduced in phantom menace i'll take it a step further when i first saw the phantom menace i thought they were using a pre-existing song it sounded so like I don't know. I, I guess it, when I first heard it, I remember thinking like, "Oh, I think I've heard this before," because it's just this iconic. Just mm-hmm. it, it's a powerhouse of a song. I don't know. I, I can't say enough good things about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same. Um, yeah. Agreed. It, it was the one thing that stuck out to me after I dedicated hours of my life this weekend to watching the prequels. We'll, Again. We, we will have hours a whole, you will not get back. Yeah. <laughs> we will have a whole series of episodes about that. Either during this quarantine or during the summer. So, <laughs> one of the many movie marathons the three of us have vowed to take. So. Yes, exactly. That's um, Matt, you said you're a fan of of the prequel music. Any other bits Great. from the prequels you want to talk about? So, one of the other one of the songs I want to talk about was um, General Grievous's theme. General Grievous is a character I obviously talk about a lot on this pod, um, but his theme song is really really interesting in the movies and more so in the cartoon show because General Grievous is such a imposing character but not a Jedi. He's one of the few non-Force users that we see. So his kind of music is very different. It's very string-heavy. It's very kind of chaotic. um, And it really fits his character well. Um, And listening to it in the... I think it's in Attack of the Clones, and I think it's all. It definitely is in the Revenge of the Sith. It's just a really great song that embodies the character, and one of the few character themes that I was able really to recognize. Which then led me to look up his music for the Clone Wars um, cartoon and animated series, and that one, if you have a chance to listen to it. General Grievous's song is kind of amped up, turned to 11 when it comes to the cartoon show. It kind of has horror cellos in it. Um, 
and I think he's one of the characters that they're best embodied the music of. So that's something I really attach to. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I was I was going to ask Good you, listen. Matt, Good listen. as the resident Clone Wars uh, super fan among us, if any of the music from the show you felt uh, was if you noticed the themes continuing over from the movies or if you noticed new themes on the show clone wars followed a lot of the themes from the movies um even in the fact where the title crawl had the same sort of fanfare and jumping right into the newsreel footage Mm -hmm. um it follows a lot of the same paces as the movies it's rebels that we see a bit of a divergence yes and we really get some character into those songs and actually would be my favorite villain theme song but we'll get to that later okay yeah the clone wars opening like militarizes the opening theme of star wars It, it adds, like, war drums to it, essentially, which is a very smart move. Uh, it, it really sets the tone for the series as being the Star Wars thing that you know, but also, um, you know, the uh, just the the, uh, the reminder that this is, no, this is in, this is in fact a, uh, a war zone. Yeah. War across the galaxy. War! <laughs> Isn't that how um, the, the uh, Revenge of the Sith crawl begins just war exclamation point <laughs> yes i thought so yeah. um that'll that'll be another one the analyzing the capitalization of things in the uh <laughs> crawl screens i don't know i don't think it's in the original trilogy but in the prequels and sequel trilogy the ellipsis at the end is four dots instead of three and i never know Ooh. why me really crazy. yes Ooh, that's fascinating hmm yeah. It was an ancient time of futuristic yes. <laughs> punctuation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh. It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> All right. Um, so should we move on from the prequels? Yes. This yeah. is a good time to talk about Rebels, Matt. Go off, King. So Rebels has a lot of really interesting – the same way where you were talking about the um, – the force soundtrack rebels does that very intelligently with every time the force kind of comes up, there's a specific kind of musical refrain. And I you believe it's the same of... one. Oh, is it? I believe okay. so. Oh, okay. That I recognize that then because rebels really delves into the mysticism of the force. So we feel a lot more kind of, I don't know. I, I, I don't know the right words for it, but a lot more kind of out there music, um, ephemeral, I think is the word I was going for, mm-hmm. but a lot more kind of weird out there music. Um, Lothal as a world. Uh, we've talked about that being its own character in Rebels, and we see it kind of grow and fall and change. It has its own music, its own kind of a bit more tribal music to it. Um, each of the characters has their own themes, which is really interesting. Um, if you listen to Ezra Bridger's theme, it's kind of a mix of 
Luke, Anakin, and Leia's theme. which is interesting it has kind of notes from all of it because it really does build off of those narrative arcs um and then just the one thing if we're gonna if i was to suggest our listeners listen to one piece of music it's grand admiral thrawn's theme um where grievous's music is in your face fast-paced really horror soundtrack thrawn's is very slow drawn out has a lot of kind of low strings and then pipe organs, which I think nothing in my mind screams Grand Admiral Thrawn <laughs> more than pipe organs. Yeah. And it just is such a fitting, he is a looming character um, that just casts a shadow over the whole series. And I think that music just fits him to a T. Rebels, great, great soundtrack. Yeah, so we should mention that uh, Kevin Kiner did the score for both Clone Wars and Rebels, and Kiner does a really good job of incorporating uh, the familiar themes in, but doing something a little bit different with the music. Yeah. And I think this is a good point to pause for a second and kind of talk about how John Williams only did the, the nine saga films, but how these TV shows had different composers, as do, as does the Mandalorian, and as does um, Solo and Rogue One. We'll get into that more later. But I wanted to ask you guys: when you're listening to the other soundtracks, did it noticeably sound like the composers were trying to do John Williams impressions? I w- not not the Mandalorian. Agreed. Um, the, the Mandalorian when it needed to sound like the you know trilogy films or the like whatever they're called now the saga, <laughs> the films. saga films um it did it threw homage to it but it it didn't sound like a carbon copy when i was even listening to the solo soundtrack the rogue one soundtrack i couldn't really tell a huge lot huge bit of difference between them though but yeah again, it I just became like star warsy background noise yeah i agree yeah, I, I have some specific thoughts when we talk about those films. I guess we're talking about them now. Uh, so the Rogue One score was supposed to be written by somebody else, and because of reshoots, they couldn't use his score. So Michael Giacchino, who did the score, only had four and a half weeks to compose it. 
Oh. And so I, I think, first of all, I like this score better than the solo score. Uh, I like Giacchino. He he was the composer for Lost. I really okay. enjoyed the work he did on Lost. He also does a lot of the Pixar films. I, I think he's an excellent composer. I think his stuff here is maybe a little bit safe, but if you only have four and a half weeks to do something, I understand why maybe that's the way you go about it. Um, yeah. There's a theme that is, is sort of Jin Erso's theme, which sounds it doesn't specifically sound like any theme in star wars but it sounds like it belongs in star wars if that makes sense and to me that is the one piece of music that really stands out in this film as as a theme that i would recognize outside of the film Any other Rogue One thoughts? I I feel like it was it was tough for me. I feel like it all kind of sounded like Star Wars music, but I'm just I, so much of Star Wars music is ingrained in me in terms of like the saga films, and this just sounded like ancillary music to me. I didn't nothing necessarily stood out to me. Uh-huh. Um, I, maybe I didn't put as much effort into listening to it either. Well, I, I think it's one of those it. things where it's the double-edged sword. If you listen so carefully, you'll hear something. But we're talking yeah. about stuff that will like jump out at you. So I think I think you should trust your instincts on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it serves its purpose well. It makes a movie that visually is just a little bit different from Star Wars we've seen on the big screen feel very much at home in the star wars universe right which i think is part of the job it's actually probably a tough job to be not john williams in this category (laughs) because on one hand (laughs) you you have to fit in with that but you also have to but you but you probably try and do something yourself too that that speaks to you you know so i don't know how you i mean i mean the same could be said with the you know the sequel trilogy had that same issue, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, All right. So let's talk about solo for a second. The solo soundtrack to me is relatively milquetoast. There's nothing like thematically that really jumps out with one very glaring omission or very glaring, uh, uh, not omission, but there's one example that is, that is very, very different. Uh, Anything to say about that before I get to that theme? Nope. No. So, do you guys remember the scene in Solo? It's right after um, they botch the theft of the uh, what's the coag coagulum? The Ooh, train heist. The train heist. Yes, but there's like there's the name of the stuff they're trying to steal. Oh, okay. Uh, they botch that, and they go and they meet with um. Uh. I'm forgetting everyone's name in this movie now. <laughs> um, I mean, I knew the the movie had a monkey in it. Yeah, no, it I'm, had, I'm talking about um, the villain. The, the Brit- villain. The bad British guy. Yes. 
the woman from Westworld? No, she she is she Quara Kara Quara Kira uh, Kira. There we go. I Daenerys. should know better than that. I'm embarrassed. Um, but anyway, uh, when they go to meet her and her boss, which is uh, hang on one second, Dryden Voss. Yeah, oh, there we go. Voss. When they go to meet him, they're like on his barge. Mm-hmm. And there's a sultry soul singer, alien soul singer, singing the song. Uh, and that's yes. on the soundtrack. You listen to this like, orchestral music, and then it literally sounds like a 90s hip hop song is starting. <laughs> so I was like, what the fuck is this? And then I looked at the name of the song. I want, don't look. I just want you to guess. What do you think, like, a song like that would be called? Would Like, Dryden's Yacht, or what do you think? Is it on Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet soundtrack? No, it is not. <laughs> it is called, the song from a Star Wars movie, is called Chicken in the Pot. No. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that you is know. unexpected. <laughs> yes, it is. I, I feel like the composers really lo- like even even John they, Williams. Like the scene with the alien singer is where they can really go wild. You know. Uh-huh. So we, a friend of ours, does bowling announcements at school, and every once in a while we try to get him to get a weird phrase in. Okay. Like, as his friends, we challenge him, and I feel like that's what this is. I bet you can't name a song Chicken in the Pot. <laughs> I actually got into this, I don't want to say an argument recently. I was talking with some friends of mine recently about, we. Were, I do a, a music club with some friends, like a book club, where every week one of us picks an album, we listen to it for a week, and then we get and talk, we talk about it on Slack. Um, and I picked a jazz album, and they were like, how do jazz songs pick their titles like you know like it's one thing if you're singing a song with the chorus is she loves you you're gonna call that song she loves you but how do you name an instrumental and i said like well i think that all songs like you know give you emotions and you know uh evoke things and so you just kind of had to put that put that down as the title right but i don't know what about this song makes you think of chicken in the pot like <laughs> it doesn't sound like dinner <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it, it sounds like a like a <laughs> like a down home country. Right. Yeah. Ditty. Exactly. Has anybody ever seen um, a Mighty Wind, the Christopher Guest movie? I have not. Sadly, no. it's so good. It, 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 it's a parody of sixties folk music, and there's definitely one of those bands that would have had a song called Chicken in the Pot. <laughs> um, all right. Anyway, that's enough about Solo. I, I guess. Um, so let's move to the sequel trilogy, which is uh, John Williams returned for all three, making him, uh, along with Anthony Daniels, the only person to appear within all nine saga films. Um, oh, how about that? Look at that. What a yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think that there is some very good music in the sequel films. What did you guys think? I agree. Though all of the top six 
songs I picked were from either the original trilogy or the one song from the prequels, but I do really enjoy the music from the sequel trilogies. And I feel like a lot of the music is derivative in some way from the original um, trilogy. Maybe that's why I enjoy it. Um, Some of it does stand on its own, but I, I do like it. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't say I picked out any of those songs to be my favorites, um, but I did like it for what it was. And I think it, in a lot of ways, does a better job than the movies in modernizing Star Wars. Because um, in my research, I did a, listen to a couple of people talking about how the idea of the sequel trilogy has, has the same ideas, themes for each character kind of movements that work throughout um, each film that tie them together, but the movements are much shorter. Each theme is much, much shorter. Like um, Ray's theme is only like 10 seconds repeated, 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 as opposed to Yoda's theme, which is a full three minute song. Um, So like a modernization um, to go along with the more modern way that they were filmed. Um, so I think it did a good job of bringing something classic into a new format, um, in a way that the visuals really struggled to. Interesting. Uh, I, I don't know if Ray's theme is the one that you're thinking, we're thinking of the same one. There's like a, a very bouncy kind of repeated motif. Yep. That that's Ray's theme. Yeah. That's Ray's <laughs> theme. <laughs> is this the first time we've actually sung one of the songs? Wow. It is. Wow. It, it took us uh, like wow. 40 minutes into the show to, to sing We're not a song. singers, huh? No. <laughs> Yeah, that is definitely the one piece that really stands out to me as from a theme perspective. Yeah, Kylo has his own as well. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Although Kylo's music, in the same way that as his scenes, generally crashes into the middle of another song. The same way that he generally crashes into <laughs> other scenes. Interesting. Which is really interesting. Yeah, yeah. that is yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I think that these these films show John Williams stretching his legs a little bit and, and doing a couple of things that are a little bit different than what he's done in the other films. Yeah. Maybe that comes with age and confidence or just knowing that this was going to be it for him. You know, he thought time, time to, you know, do some more, you know, do some more stuff while I can in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it's good stuff. I really enjoy it. Um, and then the last bit we talk about is the Mandalorian, which is um, done by one of the best composers working today, and that's Ludwig Göransson. He did the music for um, the the two Creed movies, the Rocky sequels. I know Liz and I are both fans of. Yes, he, he did the uh, Black Panther soundtrack, Ooh. which is another really really good soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he's just he's a very interesting composer and each episode kind of has its own first of all each episode does have its own like s- soundtrack you can get on Spotify um so there are like out there's 
like probably four hours worth of Star Wars, worth of Mandalorian music out there, which is way more than you'd get from any of the films. Um, yeah. And it's all really different. Some of it uses guitars, which is not a thing Star Wars typically does. Uh, some of it has more of like a pulsing beat to it. Specifically, the episode, the uh, one of my favorites in the season, the one that took place on the uh, on the, the abandoned spaceship with Bill Burr. That one yeah, has, yeah. has a very like '80s synthesizer type sound to it. I think it's really, really interesting music, and I think that he is the first composer to really try and do his own thing and not worry about the John Williams connections. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah, I, I do. I do. I think what he did was really fitting, um, really branched out, and really just knocked it out the park. Really one of the two TV shows in 2019 that you and I have talked about the soundtracks to a lot. So, yes. yeah, it says a lot. Yeah. Full dis- full disclosure, I ran out of time and did not re-listen to the Mandalorian soundtrack. Okay. But from what I remember from the show, it does seem very different from typical Star Wars. And I did enjoy it while I was listening to it um, during the show as well. And it seems like the show itself, everything about it, isn't as worried about sort of sticking to... I, I realize it's a Star Wars show, but sort of... St- I'm not sure what word to use here. I don't know. Faithfully is the right word, but sticking to that Star Wars mold, there seems to be a little more freedom in terms of show, story, visuals, and I guess music as well. Yeah, I think I think what a lot of it does too is it ties back in the same way the Mandalorian feels Star Warsy because it goes back to the spirit of what Star Wars is. It's a Western samurai movie it's the magnificent seven in space and i think the soundtrack of that even sounds like that if you think of the mandalorian soundtrack it is the drumline percussion of a regular john williams thing with kind of a cowboy samurai modern vibe on top of it which really i think sums up what that series is yeah yeah it fulfills the fantasy of what the original Star Wars was. Um, and I think it's fantastic. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I also think that The Mandalorian maybe is freed from that from that Star Wars, you know, strictures because maybe they realize that as they're making it, this is not going to tie into any of the films. Like, the saga is over. This is a new thing. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be the case. Yeah. So, Hmm. all right, well, that was our our music chat, everybody. Thank you for this. This was fun. Let us know if you agree with our music takes, if you disagree. And I would like folks to tweet at us, at ForceGhostC2C, with your favorite bit of music from Star Wars. I would love to hear everybody's favorite songs. Um, Yes. 
So yeah, so please do that. Uh, you can uh, also email us, forceghostc2c at gmail.com. Uh, we don't know what we're talking about next, do we? We'll have to talk about that off air mm-hmm. here in a minute. But we're going to try and do more of these because we're all at home not doing as much. <laughs> so I'm in front of the computer anyway. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, thanks for listening, folks. And remember, until next time, the Force will be with you always. Thank you.